I know for me, confidence is the most priceless thing. When I was 244 and pre-diabetic, absolute depression, hated myself, hated how I looked. Um, it affected every single aspect of my life. And if somebody said, would you pay $5,000 to remove all that, to have confidence, to look good, to have your health back, avoid diabetes, uh, of course it's worth it. It depends on priorities. If you can make it happen, it's absolutely worth it. Now, I'm not saying take out a loan or go into credit card debt to make it happen. I don't know if that's a healthy decision. Or maybe it is if you're, you know, if it's life-threatening, if you don't fix it. The value can be tremendous. If you have a good trainer and you're going to get there, it's more than worth the expense. Because how many hundreds of thousands of dollars do people pay for procedures and liposuction and all these other things? What does insulin cost? When you look at it from what is longevity of life, long-term, are you going to stay out of the hospital and, and medical bills and things like that? It's mm -hmm. absolutely worth it. I think confidence is priceless. The Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. Today, we're getting personal. <laughs> all right. We are talking What's about- your biggest secret? <laughs> What's my biggest secret? <laughs> Not that kind of personal. <laughs> no, not that kind of personal. We thought it'd be fun to do an episode on everything having to do with a personal trainer. What are the pros? What are the cons? What to look for in a trainer? What are some red flags? What kinds of situations is one warranted and helpful? How long to keep one? How many sessions? All kinds of stuff. What is it like in the industry? So that's what we're going to go with today. What do you think are people's biggest stereotypes of personal trainers? Oh, I, I love that commercial where they're in the in a gym locker room and the guy's going, burn, burn. <laughs> it's like they're just trying to make your muscle sore. Uh, big meathead. I'm here to pump you up. One of the first things that came to, comes to mind or did before we you started being my personal trainer was like when somebody in Hollywood would try out for a movie, then they'd spend six months with this Hollywood celebrity personal trainer and get ripped. Yeah, and they're like smacking cookies out of their hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that could be a stereotype. I think a lot of people expect, hey, in 30 days, I'm going to completely transform my body, which in some ways you can, but is it sustainable? Is it long-term? There's different ways of going about things depending on what your ultimate goals are. I was just on the, the website for the one of the places that gives you certifications and it says that there are 340,000 certified personal trainers working in the U.S. So let's talk about what to look for in a good one. I think they should start with some form of intake or assessment to get some idea of what's going on in your life, injuries, goals, and things like that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not really personal training. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Then go to group fitness. And I have nothing against group fitness. I think it's fun. But if your injuries, your lifestyle, your movement patterns, your nutrition, if all that's not considered, I think it's pretty tough to make a, a plan that's going to create much change for you. What, what is the frequency that you can adhere to a program should be taken into account? Um, yeah. And what are some of the questions that you think people should hear on an intake or early on with a personal trainer to know if they've got a good one? Nutrition. Uh, what was daily eating like for you? Mm -hmm. I think that's important. I think sleep quality, uh, stress, you know, what kinds of stress are you encountering in your life? Past injuries, what type of exercise do you enjoy? 
But is there anything you don't like doing? Because it's going to be tougher to stick to a program if you hate everything about it. And some people just hate exercise in general, and that's different. Um, How do you handle when you've had that first conversation with a client when you're intaking them, when they're talking about their goals? What if they have super unrealistic goals or... (laughs) Yeah. So we definitely want to pare that down. I want to look like Thor. (laughs) I think most anything's possible, but then we got to look at the time frame and what is the sustainability of the goal. For instance, I could make somebody lose 30 pounds in a month, but is what we do to get there, is that sustainable and are there going to be contraindications to their health down the line? And it just depends on the person. So if, if they've got 120 pounds to lose, it might be more feasible if they only have 30 pounds overall and they're at their ideal weight, that's probably not going to happen in a month in a safe way. Yeah. So understanding what it takes and what are they willing to put in? Now I have some clients when we first start, they're like, yeah, I'm all in. I'll do anything you say. Let's go five days a week. Um, And then if I have somebody else who says, yeah, I could commit to two days a week for an hour. You're not going to get there in a month. Yeah. I bet a lot of people just come in knowing like I should work out. You have to help (laughs) them like set goals and help pull the goals out of them. Absolutely. And sometimes they have a hard time articulating what those are for themselves. I can imagine sometimes they think their goal is like lose weight, but it's actually something else. There usually there's a root reason. We've talked until we were blue in the face about the why, at least on this show. So why do you want to lose weight? For conf- Typically, it goes down to confidence or to avoid you know, health circumstances that run in their family and things of that nature. And, and so that may be more of the actual goal. But losing weight is still something that probably should happen and can create a healthier uh, lifestyle, but not just weight itself, but more like body composition. Yeah. How important do you think it is for people when looking for a personal trainer to look at their certifications? They can have a master's degree in exercise science and still be a terrible trainer. So it's a hard question. So what do you encourage people to look for? We do want them to have some sort of qualifications, right? So they should hold something, whether it's National Academy of Sports Medicine, American Council of Exercise, or even some sort of uh, university type degree. But I want to, I would want them to look at track record, other clients, what is the injuries rate of them? What is the success rate of their other clients? I, I think that's really important. But more importantly, how, if they have all the science knowledge How effective are they at actually getting to behavior change of their client? Because having every qualification and certification in the world means nothing if you can't translate that into actual behavior change through communication, through almost a counseling aspect of it as well. And that takes incorporating what's going on in their lifestyle, their sleep, their stresses, and all these other different things. What about issues about like style? Because sometimes I think of a personal trainer and I'm just thinking the stereotypical Hans and Franz from SNL, like like military, (laughs) like in your face. Come on. And that's not everybody's style. Right. Imagine that works for some people. That's highly motivating. And then for some people that would be not very motivating. Yeah. So that's, I'm the opposite of that. I'm pretty laid back and I think you could still, but some people want that. I actually had one client in my entire career that I lost because they wanted more militant and it just wasn't me and we weren't a good fit. I'm not going to scream at them in the middle of the floor. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> I don't. A lot of personal trainers were off for like a, a consulting session or a free condensed session. So you could find that stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. So I, if it's training, if it's going to be ongoing training, I always offer that. So that way we could find out is it a good fit. What are your goals? Right. See, the question of why you think like having a health assessment or learning like stressors and diet, what does that help you as a trainer when it comes to catering their plan. 
it helps me figure out what are proper intensities and exercise modalities. If I know that they're getting really poor sleep, we probably don't need to be doing HIIT training, high-intensity interval training. That's going to be harmful to them and their adrenal system because you have to consider the hormonal effects on their whole body. So depending on what types of sleep quality and stressors and other thing are going on, maybe we need to first incorporate more stretching and restorative type techniques before we start beating the crap out of their body further. Right. Or maybe high intensity interval or maybe long-term endurance running could be a really poor decision for them because their adrenal system is already being attacked, which can then translate into thyroid issues and all kinds of other stuff. So all those things are important. And I ask my clients every single time I get with them, how are you feeling today? Did you get good sleep? And that's going to alter, even if I program something for them to do, I may scrap that completely based on how they feel and what their body's going through that day. And that's another thing that could be a red flag if, if your personal trainer doesn't care about any of that stuff and just has a program. And no matter what you come in as you're doing that program, I think that could be a red flag. Right. The other thing I would say is very important is they never encourage you to push through pain. You always hear, no pain, no gain. (laughs) Now, muscle fatigue and burning is fine. That's good pain. But if something doesn't feel right in a joint, if there's an acute sharp pain, if something doesn't feel right, the set should be stopped immediately. And anybody that would encourage you to push through that, I think you're just asking for surgery later on. Yeah, and I've seen, we've done that before in my workouts, or I've seen you doing it when you're working out. Just change the change the exercise. Don't do that one. Yeah. You, know, you can still work the muscle group, but change it up. Yeah, there's hundreds of ways to work each muscle. If there's one that's not working with your body mechanics or how you're feeling that day, then, then change to something else or leave it alone if it's really inflamed and bothered. Even people with chronic injuries, maybe they've had significant rotator issues in the past. Maybe they have bone spurs and things like that. It doesn't mean you can't train that muscle. It just means maybe you train it in a shortened range of motion that allows you to get stronger but not injure it. There's always ways around it. But the number one rule I have with clients is if it hurts, don't do it. Yeah. And you stop that rep. You don't do a couple more reps and see if it gets better. You stop. (laughs) (laughs) Does that really hurt? Let's do one more. Yeah, that's not Yeah, it does. Let's try one. Yeah. Still hurting. <laughs> now, I do want you to push through fatigue and burning where we're seeing muscle change. Because when you lift, you are literally tearing muscle fiber. Right. And it's through proper rest and recovery that it repairs and gets stronger. But that's entirely different than an acute pain, joint pain, and things of that nature. So, having a personal trainer, I think for a lot of people, you, they might put that in the luxury category. But you and I were chatting before the show and just doing a little bit of research about how much money people invest in health and fitness their whole life. And I think it's a conversation worth having about if you're going to invest, we read this article about millennials and through the course of their life, they're going to invest more on health and fitness than they do on their college education. And so if you're going to invest that much money in health, you want to be sure that you're investing in the things that push the bar forward. But you could be like the average consumer we shop now and be like, okay, so what are most people spending their money on? And I should spend my money on that. But it seems like because of the state of health in our country, that would be the exact opposite way to approach this equation. Like, what are most people doing? Uh, Let's do that. Where it doesn't seem most people in the U.S. don't have what I would, they would probably not define their level of health as peak. Right. Or that they're excited with it. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's going to come down to priorities. I think most people could afford it if they spent less eating out, if they spent less on Starbucks coffee. Yeah. So it's Um, an investment. Right. 
It is. And, and so you have to prioritize what's more important. Right. Uh, could you make now some people probably legit can't afford it. If you got three kids and you're making median income, you probably can't drop $500 a month on right. you know fitness. The average hourly rate for a personal trainer in the U.S. is 60 to $70 an hour. But most good trainers could take whatever your budget is and, and help create something that gives you accountability and progression. Mm-hmm. I even have clients where it's just a half hour phone call a week. Right. But that's enough to keep them on track and, and keep them going. I think um, it would probably depend on your level of personal motivation. Yeah, because I have other clients that they've been working for a while and all they need is progression. So once a week, I can tell them what to do for the whole week. And then I have others, if I'm not standing in the room with them, they're not doing anything. So like you said, personal motivation is going to be part of it. And then just prioritizing and shuffling things around. So if personal training is an investment, let's talk about like why it's worth it and why it might not be worth it. Yeah, it's usually a 40 to 50% increase is depending on what statistics you look at are, are reported in successful goal reaching happens when you have that motivation from a trainer. Yeah. They can usually get you there safer without injuries. When I started on my own, it was, I've mentioned this on the show, it was men's health magazines and I ended up seriously injuring my rotator, my shoulder, getting cortisone injections. Yeah. Most people taking like a men's health magazine or a muscle magazine and being like, all right, I'm going to do what the most elite athletes do (laughs) and I'm starting tomorrow and I'm never missing. (laughs) And that might not be the right way to start working out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and just having a set, even if you know everything there is no bad exercise, having a second set of eyes to, to view your form makes a huge difference. Yeah. You, even kept, my, you kept mentioning motivation, but I also think like you said earlier that some people won't do anything if you're not there. I think there's motivation and accountability is a big thing too. Yeah. Cause yeah. I know I've been guilty of, I can think of times I've usually had a gym membership on and on throughout my adult life. And there were seriously times and I bet people listening can relate where you go to the gym and you just walk around a bit, <laughs> do some more, you know, <laughs> a couple arm exercises, yeah. you walk on the treadmill and watch like 20 minutes of judge Judy and you're like, <laughs> I nailed it. Went to the gym. Let's, yep. let's drink some muscle milk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The other thing I was guilty of in college, especially I'd work out and go, man, I deserve some Arby's yeah. <laughs> and I'd get curly fries and um, not anymore, but no, I, I think, yeah, I think the motivation aspect makes it worth it. The injury prevention, I think I would put as the top. Uh, can you get to your goal successfully without injury? Right. Cause when you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. And right. I find that the more, the older I get, the more I realize that's true of more and more topics in my life. I just, yeah. don't, I just don't know what I don't know. <laughs> Some people, they only know a couple exercises. So if they do get injured, they're stuck. Yeah. They're like, well, I guess I can't work my upper body ever again. But a personal trainer could help figure out, first of all, why what could be causing the injury. Obviously, we're not doctors, so we can't diagnose or prescribe. Right. Uh, but we can help find avenues of how to work those without creating uh, further injury. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. I'd have to imagine if you're looking for something to be motivating for you for working out regularly and you invest in a personal trainer and you're a frugal person, your frugality could be the most motivating thing because you're like, I am not going to not work out. (laughs) I'm going to make sure I get the most out of this that I possibly can. 
Yeah. Now, one other interesting thing to compare is the benefits of working with a trainer at a gym versus a personal trainer on their own that's not associated with a club. Yeah. So is it, do you normally pay less for personal training as part of a gym membership or is it about the same? You know, I think typically it's going to be more because uh, if you're a gym owner, you have to pay for overhead of the club and you have to pay the trainer for their services. So I know when I, in the past, my rates were double and I actually received half or less. So I used to be $110 an hour. And before taxes, I was only keeping about $50. Right. And then that was taxed. On my own, I'm charging half of that, actually making more money. So both win. And on top of that, there's not a gym membership that they're having to pay for just to have me as their trainer. How will I watch Judge Judy? that's that's the downer you don't get to watch judge duty so i think that's something to consider now the downside is if you're on your own you don't have access to fifty thousand square feet of equipment Mm -hmm. now i feel like i've done a good job of collecting equipment that allows me to do everything i could have at, at another gym and gives enough options for people regardless of where they are yeah, and a lot of trainers have their own we just jokingly call them micro gyms yep. where you got all the equipment that you need now i'm a personal trainer i have a home gym i'll still sometimes go to a gym that i have a membership for just to get out of the house i don't have a sauna i don't have a hot tub i don't have a pool and some of those restorative modalities yoga classes and things like that that's still important to people too i think there's a benefit to both and i don't have anything against going to a trainer at a gym and most trainers i think start at a gym But typically, I think it's more cost effective if you're not having to pay the gym owner on top of what the trainer's rate is. Yeah. And I didn't begrudgingly give up that percentage because when you work for a a big company like that, you got the best of the best equipment that they're paying for. But I am much happier on my own. Going back to what you were talking about, one of the benefits being reaching your goal safely and avoiding injury when at all possible. If you're working out on your own, you're going to stop probably before you should in yeah. most in most cases. And then I think people think well, if I got a if I got a trainer, then I'm just going to push all the way through, but I think what you're saying is there's probably like in a goldilocks situation, there's probably a just right situation for pushing past and pushing do or pushing through and doing more. I know for us, like when I feel like I've got to the end of the set and I couldn't do another good thing with form, you're like, all right, we're going to change up the way we do the exercise so we can keep destroying your muscle fiber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Switching to negative reps or something like that. Yeah. I think there's probably like a just right approach when it comes to personal training. It's different for every single individual, what their tolerance is for that and what their goals are. Some people don't want to go that far. Some people's goals may be, I just want to maintain functionality. Other people who really want to see a lot of body change or maybe just enjoy the challenge, I will push a little bit different. What do you think the role of variety is? I remember I did the P90X thing that everybody Mm -hmm. jumped on with Tim Morton. Is that his name? Muscle confusion. Muscle confusion. Tim Horton. That's the the coffee donut person. It's a Tony something. (laughs) Tony Horton, I think. (laughs) I just want a donut right now. But uh, yeah, how how important is muscle confusion? There's science. You know, I've heard... Both ways, both sides of the story on it. I think it um, assumes a lot of muscles that they have cognitive. Yeah. And they're like, like, oh. My muscles are confused as shit. I had a great <laughs> workout. <laughs> got, I didn't see that coming. I do think if you do the same thing over and over again, your body can get more efficient at doing that and you get less benefit. I think there's some truth to that. Now, for me, muscle confusion or variety is th- the reason it's important to me personally is just to keep it interesting. 
Right. I don't want to get bored. And I think it's good for the body to be worked in different ways as long as we're doing it with proper mechanics that right. don't cause injury. But I think the variety for a lot of people is important for longevity is mm -hmm. to stay interested in it. If I did the same six exercises every single time I worked out, I'd get pretty tired of it pretty quick. But some people like that. I don't get it. But I think just to keep it interesting and novel, it's important. But also I do think it helps with plateaus. When I was working out on my own without a personal trainer, what I would often do, my formula would often be either YouTube series or a book I just read and then try to make it work in the gym for me. Yeah. And it often just felt like I, I didn't really understand why I was doing it. I was just like following a plan. I hope that it was working. And then I don't know if you've experienced this working out, but you just you don't see the results as fast as you think. You get bored and you switch plans in the middle of the plan. It didn't feel like it was very systematic. There wasn't like an overarching plan behind it. Yeah. And some of that, I think there should be some forms of assessments and checks, what's working, what's not working. If something's not working, let's figure out why. And I think it's harder to do on your own, but a trained eye and a personal trainer can say, Hey, look, form's improving here. You're able to keep the scapula more stable. That's a sign of improvement. This is working. Or you're able to push a little bit more, a little bit harder, go a little bit further. I think it's easier to see those changes with somebody else watching you. A lot of my clients are like, am I getting better at this or not? And and I'll take a look at stability and what's going on mechanically. Um, and I'm able to point those things out. And there's other metrics other than did I add weight or not? Yeah. So let me ask you this. If you're thinking, all right, I want to find a personal trainer. Where's the place to find the good ones? Is there like a place where there's you go and you don't usually find good ones? What's the best way to go about it? The first thing I would want to do, though, is find out other people, if you can get feedback or reviews from other people they've trained and understand what their experiences were like. So I would reach out to a couple trainers, shop around. Don't just go to the first one. See, do they offer some sort of consult? Find out what their communication skills are like. Find, try and get a feel, is this cookie cutter? Are they more uh, concerned about you as an individual or just putting your body through a workout and moving on to the next? Do they have experience with different injuries and different modalities to keep you safe? Do they have knowledge of corrective exercise? And those are some things I would look for. You could do it through Thumbtack. There's different sites where you can interview different ones. Some gyms probably, if they have some sort of credentials before they hire somebody, they may be able to offer some sessions where you can just try them out. Most gyms offer a complimentary session. But if you're not looking to go the gym route, like most trainers at a gym can't train you outside of the gym. Right. <laughs> so I had recently moved and I was experiencing this persistent kind of pain and I went to go see a chiropractor because I'd never seen one in my whole life. And yeah. I thought maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe something got out of line. I was carrying stuff weird when I was moving. And when I went to see him, I asked like, okay, so how do you know that this is working? Like, how would I know? What do I expect to feel in my body that would feel different? And how long should I go? And he said, what I do when we tell people is come once a week for a month and then assess how you feel. So what does that feel like for a personal trainer? How long should somebody commit to using a personal trainer before they rush to judgment on whether or not it's actually being effective? Because exercise is not one of those things that you can do twice and be like, yeah, I hit my goal. <laughs> For people to see significant change, typically three months, 90 days is a pretty good amount of time. If you're not willing to do that after a couple of weeks, has there been consistent uh, behavior modification? 
Are you feeling better? Are you making better decisions for your health? Are you eating differently? Do you have more energy? Are you noticing any physical changes? But typically three months for a goal is a good amount of time. If you don't want to invest that much, hopefully by the first couple of weeks, you should notice, is there any change in how your body feels? Are you starting to see changes as well? And it may not just be weight. Sometimes it's hormonal. You want to correct some of those things before you see change in other areas. That's also going to depend on frequency. I don't think anybody's going to see significant change just working out once a week. So if they're seeing them a couple times a week, there should definitely be some evident change. And what kind of change would you expect to see like in, let's say at the end of week three, what kind of changes would somebody be looking for? I think their stamina should improve, their endurance. If cardio is part of their programming, that should start to get easier. They should start to notice strength gains. Uh, First, it's usually neuromuscular strength gains, so they're not actually putting on muscle, but they're getting better at recruiting uh, muscle to lift things. So the first couple weeks, you should see a pretty immediate spike in what you can lift if you've been inactive for a long time. But the first six weeks of exercise, you'll probably put on four to six pounds of muscle uh, while you lose fat. So I don't think that weight is the best metric in the first six weeks. Because yeah, you could be swapping. You could be putting on muscle at the same rate you're losing weight. So then what are you looking for? Like your body shape? Yep. Toning. Are your clothes fitting better? Do you look better in the mirror? Things of that nature. If there's nutrition recommendations, hopefully you're feeling better. You have more clarity. Maybe your sleep's improving. Maybe you're not as depressed. There should be some hormonal changes happening as well. So a lot of people ask me uh, when they first start a program, how many times a week should they train? Now, if the only time they're going to work out is with me, a minimum of, of twice a week, I would think. Outside of that, I don't think they're going to see a lot of change. But it also depends on their goal. If their goal is just to maintain functionality and they don't care about body change or strength gains or any kind of performance goals, then once one to two times a week may be okay. If they have a significant weight loss goal, probably three times a week uh, would be more warranted. But then it also depends on how dedicated are you to do stuff on your own and how much knowledge do you have and confidence that you can carry out a plan on your own. So it may also depend depend on experience with exercise as well as injury. So if you have no experience, I always front load with more sessions up front. And once they get comfortable, if they want to back off, they can. What do you think the role is of like habit forming in that? Because I was thinking if you do something once a week, you're going to slip back into the other habit in the next six days. Whatever led you to the place where you were looking to come work out, you're probably going to slip back into that habit. Yeah, yeah. If you're not motivated to do stuff on your own, I just don't think once a week is is going to do a whole lot. Is there a number that's too much? That's too much? I would think five days a week is a lot. It would be like special circumstance if you were going to be the next Thor. Yeah. Or, <laughs> now, I did have a client do that, but we what we did uh, was we had a periodized program where the middle of the week was always flexibility, yoga, correctives, mm-hmm. um, and addressing all the things for injury and prevention and recovery. But is that like something where people have a, a short-term goal, they look like a wedding coming up, a thing? You know, I would think, I think that would be okay. But they have to listen to their bodies. If they're feeling like it's breaking down, they're not recovering well, then it's too much. But typically two to three days on hard with some rest in between before your next two to three hard day bout would be about as heavy as I would go. Now, stretching yoga recovery type techniques, maybe focusing on nutrition on some of the days in the middle, that gives your body a break. I think that's okay. And one other thing I'd like to add as far as 
how many sessions and uh, how long to keep a trainer. Hopefully, a trainer does a good enough job at educating the client so they know what to do and how to do it. People that stay on or keep up with the high frequency, it would be because they like the accountability piece and the progression that the trainer provides, not because they don't know what to do. And that's something to look for in a trainer too. Are they an educator or are they just dragging you through workout? Now, that's not to say some clients don't care about the education piece. I've had clients, they go, I don't care, just take me through the workout. And they honestly, they don't want to think for themselves. And they like just having the trainer take care of all that and not explain the whys. Mm-hmm. In well, that I case, like that. you should still be asking, your trainer should still be asking you questions. How do you feel today? How'd you sleep? Things right. Like that. Yeah. But they might, may not care as much about understanding biomechanics and everything going on underneath. So, so let's say you're in that two to three times a week workout plan. What's the right length of a workout people should be looking for? Because I've seen trainers that have 30-minute workouts. Is that enough time? If it's high-intensity interval training type, I think it is. It can be. But then you're not incorporating corrective stretching. You're probably skipping core. Or maybe you can build it all in. I think it's going to depend on the intensity of the session. Usually the shorter the session, the higher the intensity. Unless these special populations, I have a client with Parkinson's and we meet half an hour twice a week. Endurance and stamina are pretty low. So I I think it could differ per person, but typically the shorter the session, the higher the intensity and the less we can include. So if you want total body workout or it's going to be tough to get that in half an hour, what we'll do is we'll skip ancillaries like biceps, triceps, shoulders, traps, and we're just going to hit the major muscle groups or we're going to split it into an upper day and a lower day. Yeah, I think it's tough to get a lot in in a half hour, but but some clients, that's what works with their schedule and their budget, and we make it work. Yeah. And I think it's better to have more time so that we can also address corrective exercises, spend more time on core and anything else going on as well. So one of the things I like about like your approach to working out is that it's science-based. We know how the body's going to respond and we know that we can find out if something's working, like what the core of it and deal with that issue. So my question is, if somebody's thinking, all right, if I'm going to invest this money, like this is their mindset and their goal is I want to be ripped. Like I want to look good and I want to be ripped. What's realistic for that person? Do they need, can they do that in twice a week? Do they need to be three times a week? does in how long before that ripness shows up? Yeah, If they want to be ripped, I think probably f- at least four days a week of pretty intense training for at least an hour would be warranted. A little bit of cardio, even if it's just walking during the week, and then really high focus on their nutrition because you could never out-train a bad diet. Uh, so the nutrition would be the probably the most important part to getting to that ripped quality. And let's say they're starting at, because I know it's going to depend on their health level. So it's you can't just say so it'll take a year. You can't just say that because you don't know. If somebody's starting at 500 pounds, then it, it might take more than a year. Yeah. So I think, could you just guess, like average fitness person, and they decided, all right, I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to pay attention to diet. How long do you think it'll take them to get the results? If they're super dedicated, they're doing four days of specific programmed workouts and also taking into account injuries and they're crushing their nutrition. I think three to six months should be a a reasonable amount of time to get there. There you go. See, that's, I think that's a valuable point for people that are like, all right, how much would it cost me to get ripped to to do it the right way? What I've been doing hasn't been working. And you can make an informed decision. Is that worth it? Is that an investment you're willing to make? Yeah. 
I know for me, confidence is the most priceless thing there could have been. Because when I was 244 and pre-diabetic, it was abs- just absolute depression. Hated myself, hated how I looked. Um, it affected every single aspect of my life. And if somebody said, would you pay $5,000 to remove all that, to have confidence, to look good, to have your health back, avoid diabetes, uh, of course it's worth it. So I, I think it's, it depends on priorities. If you can make it happen, it's absolutely worth it. Now, I'm not saying take out a loan or go into credit card debt to make it happen. I don't know that's a healthy decision. Or maybe it is if you're, you know, if it's life-threatening, if you don't fix it. But I think the value can be tremendous. And it's, if you have a good trainer and you're going to get there, it's more than worth the expense. Because how many hundreds of thousands of dollars do people pay for procedures and liposuction and all these other things? If yeah, you, if you figure in the cost savings of the of health benefits. Yeah, what does insulin cost? When you look at it from what is longevity of life, long term, are you going to stay out of the hospital and, and all these medical bills and things like that? It's mm-hmm. absolutely worth it. I think confidence is priceless. So at the end of the day, I, I think the the strongest argument for investing in personal training uh, is what is confidence worth to you? Think about what would you spend on surgeries and all kinds of other nonsense to have that, to feel good about yourself. I hope you guys learned a little bit from this episode, and I hope it helps you to make an informed decision on what is it worth you to invest in something like a personal trainer. If you'd like to do that, I'd love to to set up a, a complimentary consultation with you. It's no risk. You can ask me questions, see what I offer, and see for a good fit. You can check me out on firewithinnf.com. My contact information is up there. Uh, You can check out testimonials of people I've worked with in the past and uh, love to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media.